Welcome to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. This episode features Becky Norton Dunlop, the Heritage Foundation's Ronald Reagan Distinguished Fellow, who was recorded live here at the Stephen P.J. Wood Building in Arlington, Virginia. Becky spoke about our 40th president, Ronald Reagan, whom she served under, and her career in free market environmentalism. So get some pimento on your bagel and take a sip of your cold brew because you're listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. Well, thank you so much. And I'm uh, delighted, of course, to be here today. I do work for the Heritage Foundation. And uh, for those of you who are attending uh, this morning, uh, if you're not familiar with Heritage, I really want to encourage you to get familiar with Heritage. Our uh, website is heritage.org. We're a public policy organization, sometimes called a think tank. Um, we're led by a remarkable conservative American, Kay Coles James, who has also been a colleague of ours, uh, Morton, for these many years. I remember meeting Kay during the Reagan administration uh, when she was championing conservative principles at the time. And we've gone on to serve together, all of us, in uh, a, a number of different capacities. But Kay is now president of Heritage and uh, is doing a, a tremendous job trying to help lead our cause and our country during these tumultuous times. Um, I also want to particularly uh, pay homage to the Leadership Institute. You know, I have the privilege of coming and speaking to your interns uh, each semester. And um, it is a real delight to just come to LI for different programs, but also to be part of um, encouraging the young people that you bring in as interns to become principled, courageous leaders of our movement. That's what America needs obviously now more than ever. And um, it's, it's just a, a great opportunity uh, for me to come and talk to your interns. My opportunity today really uh, started off to, to have a conversation about Ronald Reagan. Uh, June the 5th, uh, 2004 was the day when Ronald Reagan passed into eternity to be met by his Lord with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And um, those of us remaining here uh, wept uh, during that time of his passing and stood in very long lines for a couple of days, as I recall, uh, to just pass by his uh, casket in the, in the rotunda of the Capitol and, and pay respects, as hundreds of other Americans did. And um, it was a real tremendous outpouring uh, of appreciation and respect for a man who, interestingly enough, led our nation back from the brink of disaster uh, in 1981 that is similar to the disaster that we're facing in our country today. It's, um, 
a great tragedy that we've had uh, after many years of uh, success and growth, economic growth, uh, that this, this disaster has come upon us. And um, it's a conversation for another day, but I'll touch on a, a few elements of it today. Uh, but the, the message I think I want to convey here is Ronald Reagan led our nation, uh, and I'm going to talk about some of the things that he led on, when things looked very bleak. Uh, communism was on the um, attack all over the world. It was taking over country after country in Latin America, South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, and of course, here in the United States, most prominently on our college campuses. And um, the economy was, was in a terrible condition. Uh, I was going back through some of my uh, materials as I was preparing for today, and I came across a, a, an address that the president, President Reagan gave from the Oval Office in April of 1982. And he, he said, uh, let me take you, this is Ronald Reagan speaking, let me take you back a little to 1977 when the Carter administration took office, inflation was 4.8%. It rose steadily and in 1979 and 80, we had two years of back-to-back double-digit inflation. Now, let me just add parenthetically that this is one terrible circumstance we have not yet been plagued with uh, because it is a very, very bad uh, circumstance that devalues the value of our money. And uh, Ronald Reagan was faced with double digit inflation when he came into office. Unemployment started to increase and by 1980, we were in a recession with nearly 8 million unemployed. Inflation at 12.4% and interest rates at 21.5%. We had to reduce the built-in rate of increase. At the same time, we had to reduce the share of the people's earnings that government was taking in taxes. High taxes, destroying incentive, had contributed to reduce productivity and a reduction in savings, which left us without the capital we need for industrial expansion. And that was what Ronald Reagan faced when he came into office uh, in 1981. And the spirit of the American people uh, was, was very down very down. We had been told uh, malaise was upon us and our best years were behind us. And then Ronald Reagan uh, is elected and faces these enormous challenges. He immediately set about mapping out a four-part plan for national recovery. Tax cuts, I mean, we've heard this in recent years, to stimulate more growth and more jobs. We saw it happen again. We know that it works spending cuts to put an end to continuing deficits uh, with high inflation. Uh, tragically, we have not had a Congress that understands the need to reduce spending. And um, it's been very, it's been a very troublesome situation in present days, but President Reagan understood uh, that we needed to tackle spending. Regulatory relief to lift the heavy burden of government rules and paperwork. And President Trump, I think, understood this. Uh, he brought people into his administration who also understood regulatory relief was tantamount uh, to restoring economic growth to a country. And 
Uh, he has done that in much the way, same way that President Reagan did. And finally, a steady, consistent monetary policy. Uh, Ronald Reagan got it about taxes and spending and a strong, uh, consistent dollar. And um, uh, it's a lesson that too many people in America obviously uh, did not uh, learn and take unto themselves. And now we see uh, our country needing to tackle these challenges all over again after President Trump brought back a robust economy uh, we have seen uh, what we call a black swan, black swans uh, come into play. And now we have to uh, tackle this challenge again. Uh, but President Reagan understood the importance of leaving money in the pocketbooks of the people who earned it, allowed them to save or spend what they earned. And uh, he understood they would be, they would have incentive to work hard and, uh, and the money that they would then earn would fuel uh, ec the economic machine that energizes our national uh, progress. Um, it was it was a t it was a challenging time in America, but because we had a president who was consistent in laying out these principles uh, that he knew to be true, and he had brought people into the administration like Morton Blackwell, for instance, who understood these principles, we were able to help him. Uh, uh, change the the uh, direction of the ship of state uh, and move toward uh, economic growth. And uh, President Reagan also understood uh, the other uh, challenge of the day, which was foreign policy, which was communism. Uh, and as I mentioned, communism was taking over the world country by country. Uh, and it was certainly uh, on the march here in America, particularly on our, our college campuses. And President Reagan understood communism. Uh, he understood it was evil. Uh, he believed that he could contribute to its demise as president, uh, but he really wanted to uh, have the vision of advancing freedom, the cause of freedom, and the spread of civilization. He said in a speech, the West will not contain communism, it will transcend communism. And it was very, very exciting, although who knew uh, that it would actually come to pass and uh, uh, the, the, the excitement that we all felt when we saw the wall come down uh, because Ronald Reagan had the vision to tackle communism. Uh, and again, he brought people into his administration who shared that vision and took control of the departments and agencies responsible for rebuilding our national defenses and providing uh, intelligence from around the world that helped him uh, as he developed his plan to, uh, as he said, transcend communism. Uh, it came to pass. It came to pass. And, uh, but but uh, evil never completely dies. And much the way the spark of freedom is always in the in burning in the hearts and breasts of people around the world who love liberty, uh, the evil of communism uh, kept its spark and nurtured it, and it now, of course, is uh, rearing its ugly head again. And communism, of course, as we all understand it, is government running everything, running the lives of the economy running the lives of the people, uh, and running the state for the benefit of those who govern.
uh, he he talked about um, the importance of uh, business. I mean, he was a great believer in business. I mean, we know Ronald Reagan was an actor, and he made some great movies, uh, which people ought to all have in their um, uh, uh, on their bookshelves as movies to watch some Saturday nights. But uh, he also loved the entrepreneurs of America and the businesses that created jobs. Uh, he loved people having choice to, uh, to pick their jobs and go and work and, of course, uh, uh, create their own businesses if they wanted to. Uh, but one of, a, one of another of his great speeches, which touched on communism, was at the National Federation of Independent Businesses, where he said... The principles of wealth creation transcend time, people, and place. Governments which deliberately subvert them by denouncing God, smothering faith, destroying freedom, and confiscating wealth have impoverished the people. Communism works only in heaven where they don't need it and in hell where they've already got it. So he, he spent time speaking to organizations, but he actually was speaking to not only the American people, but people around the world and communicating uh, these important principles and who the real enemy was. Um, he then, of course, made his memorable speech naming the evil empire, uh, where he set out clear differences in the way that conservatives and liberals view the world. And this was so unusual to have an American president speak in this way uh, for the entire world to hear. I mean, this wasn't a meeting in the Oval Office where only one or two other people heard it. This was a national uh, address where he spoke uh, about the brutality of the Soviet regime uh, with lovers of freedom like Alexander Solzhenitsyn present at the speech, nodding in agreement uh, as President Reagan spoke these words of truth. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV training, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. call them statists today, were offended by his brand of moral absolutism. Uh, but we need a little bit more of that, I think, today, as Morton was alluding to in his early remarks. It was a direct confrontation of communism and his conviction that communism was a form of modern-day slavery that was at the core uh, of his vision that he was explaining. Uh, President Reagan had great speechwriters, but when President Reagan gave a speech, he was speaking words that he believed, and he was often said that he was a great communicator because he had great ideas and great views to communicate. Tax cuts, limited government, freedom from communism, each of these policy positions that President Reagan took courage. It was a, he was a man of courage and he was a man of principle. And 
uh, when we think about Ronald Reagan today, it's important to keep these elements in mind. Uh, we have to operate from principle. And we have challenges today in our country to the principles that we know are true uh, and have stood the test of time. And we have to be courageous as conservatives to stand up for them. Um, I, I uh, want to take just a minute to refer back again to my boss at the Heritage Foundation, Kay Coles James. Uh, Kay is an African-American woman. Uh, she's about our age, uh, Morton. And uh, Kay has been called upon in recent days to speak about what's going on in our country today. And she speaks truth. She speaks truth. The, the fact of the matter that we all have to recognize is in America today, evil exists. Evil comes in the form, in many forms, but it comes in the form of racism, which exists in America today. It comes in the form of sexism, which exists in America today. It comes in the form of anti-Christian points of view and actions, which happens in America today. It comes in the form of anti-Semitism, which occurs in America today. This does not mean that America is a racist country what it means, though, is that evil exists, and we must acknowledge this and recognize that we conservatives who believe in the value and worth of each individual, and we believe in the principles that we talk about uh, at Heritage and LI, we have to be courageous and stand up against these evils when we come across them in our country. President Reagan did, and in fact, he talked about uh, racism uh, he was always accused of being a racist, and he made the point, in fact, I, I pulled this out of his uh, biography, he said, I grew up in a house where no sin was more grievous than racial bigotry. And I think we re must recognize today that where these evils occur in our country, we conservatives need to actually accept the fact that they occur, name them, and stand against them. Uh, Ronald Reagan would want us to do that, and uh, I think that we we conservatives uh, are called upon to do to do just that today. Uh, so let me let me just uh, say as I wrap up my remarks about the Reagan presidency, uh, he was a principled leader, and he he was a courageous leader. He was a moral leader, and he stood for. Uh, interestingly enough, his one of his campaign th themes was make America great again. He did that. He did that with the help of a lot of people he brought into his administration. And uh, it's a great tragedy that his successes of the 1980s uh, were not carried forward. And now we find ourselves once again with uh, too many people in our country that don't remember uh, the evils of communism and uh, socialism and uh, uh, the unrest that we're finding in our streets today is not only, uh, it's not only evil, uh, but a lot of it is ignorance of things that people say they're for uh, and how they will destroy the human spirit. I want to turn real briefly here before I open it up for questions, because I do enjoy taking your questions and talk briefly about the free market environmentalism. Uh, you know, natural resource policy is so important to our country and certainly to me personally. And I was 
truly honored to work at the Department of Interior for President Reagan and then served the Commonwealth of Virginia as Secretary of Natural Resources. And Ronald Reagan was a great uh, steward of natural resources. All you, if, you, if you visited his ranch in California, you would know that and you would know the stories about how he took such good care uh, of the land. But I wanted to, to share with you briefly eight principles uh, that we, I think, need to begin to uh, try and uh, adopt uh, and take unto ourselves so that we can actually talk about how conservatives are actually uh, the uh, principled people when it comes to stewarding and caring for our natural resources. And the first principle is that people are the most important, unique, and precious resource. Uh, you know, there's no question about the fact that Ronald Reagan believed this. And if you do not believe this, then you won't probably agree with anything else that we say when we talk about uh, conservative principles, uh, uh, conservative uh, principles for natural resources. Because when we have environmental laws and regulations, it is for the benefit of human beings. And it is human beings that we call upon uh, to become more educated and learn more about how to become uh, better stewards of our natural resources. So it's a very important principle and it's the number one uh, principle. The number two principle is that renewable natural resources are resilient and dynamic and respond positively to wise management. Uh, you know, there are important words here. Words have meaning. Management is important. Letting things just go wild is not wise management and it results oftentimes uh, in things happening in, in our natural resources that are not good. Uh, forest fires happen uh, more frequently and with more uh, uh, vigor and more destruction when there's no management of the natural resources. The third principle, private property protections and free markets provide the most important new opportunities for environmental improvements. Again, this goes back to things that President Reagan talked about that are important conservative principles. Protecting private property is important. People who own something take better care of it than people who are borrowing something or renting something. And the free market, the competitive free market is always looking for new solutions. Uh, one of the great uh, marketplace solutions uh, for a governmental issue that we've, that we've seen recently not relating directly to natural resources was, was the SpaceX launch. I mean, this is a private sector company that has come along and is competing in the marketplace to do things that just a few short years ago, government thought it was the only entity uh, that could do it. So we must protect uh, private property and the, the, the entrepreneurship. The fourth principle, efforts to reduce control and remediate pollution should achieve real environmental benefits. In other words, we need to engage in action, not just go to conferences at fancy resorts and pass more laws and put in place more regulations. We should be looking for real solutions when we find uh, a pollution problem. And um, we, we were very successful in doing that in the Commonwealth of Virginia during my time in office. And if anybody is particularly interested in some of uh, these issues, I would really encourage you to go ahead and contact me uh, offline and we'll, we'll have a great discussion about this. But 
Principle number five, as we accumulate scientific, technological, and artistic knowledge, we learn how to get more from less. More miles per gallon, more production per acreage uh, of our farmland, more out of a tree that's been felled and taken to the harvest. Uh, uh, we learn to get more from less. Warren Brooks, who was a great um, uh, writer, economics writer, talked about this in terms of the learning curve is green. The more we know, the more we learn, the less impact we will have on, uh, on nature itself. We will be able to get more from less. And this is a very good principle. And there's just so many examples uh, of this uh, throughout our, our country, in fact, across our world. Principle number six, management of natural resources should be conducted on a site and situation specific basis. This sounds like common sense, but the left, the status always wanna run things from big central government with a one size fits all solution. And that's not good for people and it certainly is not good for our natural resources and our environment. Number seven, principle number seven, science should be employed as one tool to guide public policy. This principle not only should apply to natural resource policy, but to health policy. We do not elect people to office to take one element of a solution and make it the law. We want them to take into consideration all of the elements that are presented. Science, medical science, natural resource science, that's one element. Yes, it's important and yes, we should pay attention to it. But we need to consider other things. People and how they're going to be impacted. How are we gonna pay for things? Is the economy gonna be able to continue to grow? Are we gonna be able to provide for the needs in our neighborhoods? All of these things must be taken into consideration. Science is a tool, one tool in the toolbox for natural resource policy and for all other public policy. And finally, principle number eight, the most successful environmental policies emanate from liberty. This is essential. The most polluted spots on the earth are in the old Soviet Union where the government controlled everything, the permitting, the inspecting, uh, everything. This is where they hide the truth, totalitarian regimes. All of these principles were not articulated by President Reagan, but if you go back through his speeches and the way he lived his life, you will see that these are the kinds of principles that Ronald Reagan would adhere to when it comes to natural resource policy and environmental policy. He believed we should have principles and we should guide our lives and our governance by principles. And so I just wanna encourage you uh, today, we are at a challenging time in our country. Uh, we all who pray need to be prayerful. We need to keep uphold our president and our elected officials in prayer. But we also need to know in our own hearts and our own minds what the principles are that we want to champion. And we need to prepare, be prepared to do just what LI does, and that is share these principles, help young people learn and understand them. Because we must preserve liberty. Uh, it's the last best hope for mankind on earth.
there is no perfection here on this earth. But if we want people to be able to live according to their beliefs, we have to understand what Ronald Reagan understood. And that is people are our most important, unique and valuable resource. And we need to work very hard to make sure that they stay free in their, to live their lives and that we are on their side and we are on the side of liberty and we're standing together. So thank you very much, Morton, for inviting me today and allowing me to share my thoughts. And if we have time for questions or comments, I'd be delighted to uh, engage. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. To listen to more breakfast, head over to the Leadership Institute YouTube channel. And to see who our next WWCB speaker is, visit our website at leadershipinstitute.org. The Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast is produced and edited by Alexander Chang with support from Tiffany Roberts and Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell.